You are listening to the sermon podcast of Nielsville Presbyterian Church, a Christ-centered church in Germantown, Maryland. To learn more about Nielsville, visit us online at nielsville.org. Again, I want to thank Katie for that song that we are learning, the song that she wrote about our, our mission statement of, of glorifying God, right? You want to finish it for me? We, our statement is glorify God by being and making disciples in Christ Jesus, right? We're called to glorify God. We are called to be his disciples, and we are called to make disciples, right? Grow, worship, grow, go. This morning, we're going to focus on the grow part, but last week, remember that, and the song reminded us that we are created to worship God, that, that we co- we're created to worship God together, and we do that by welcoming all nations into our community of faith, and by, by responding to him in all, right, centered on the word of God, on the gospel. And so now we're going to, and we, and we learned that worship is a dialogue, it's, when we come together, God is speaking to us, we respond as he speaks to us in his word, we come confessing our sins and we hear the assurance of pardon when he reminds us that we're forgiven in Christ. So a worship, a time that we come together as we worship God, we're worshiping God together in this dialogue. But this morning we want to focus on the grow part of our mission statement. That we as a multi-nation, multicultural community of believers are, are called to be disciples of Jesus. So let's again look at Acts Chapter 2, verses 42 through 47, and let's learn from the early church. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling the possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as they had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God, having favor with all people, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, Father, we come, gather around your your word this morning, and we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would continue to just grip our hearts, that you would continue to change us, that you would continue to mold us more and more into the image of your Savior, Jesus Christ. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me ask you a question. What do gangs, sororities and fraternities, sports teams, and the church have in common? What? Fellowship, right. What about fellowship? They they what? They create a sense of belonging. They create a community and social support system. And they have a common purpose. Do they not? Some for good, some for not so good. But they have, right? They they develop the sense of community, the sense of welcoming, the sense of belonging, of acceptance. We see this in the early church that they resembled much of that, right? They, they were coming together and there's a sense of they, they belonged, they, they were accepted, they, they had a common purpose that we'll see in this passage. The problem for us, I think, often as in my own personal struggle in my faith, we often want to live our faith privately. 
My relationship with Jesus is a personal thing, and all, all I need is to kind of walk with God alone. The other problem is that some of us may have been hurt by the church. Or we look at the church and we see it as judgmental and hypocritical. And why do I want to have anything to do with the church? I think this passage helps us to address those heart issues. It helps us to fight the urge to live solo with my faith. faith. It helps us to, to see that we can commit ourselves unto the Lord even in the midst of our brokenness. So this morning, I want us to, to go away with three key words. The first word is united, or unity. The second word is caring. And the third word is fellowship. I'm going to look at each one of those words. United, caring, fellowship. They are to be what should be made up of us growing together as disciples. Look first at verse 44. The diverse community of disciples are united. What does it say? And they all who, who believed were together and had all things in common. Beginning with this verse, Luke, the writer of, this, of the Acts, gives a more extended explanation of the life of the early church, early believers in Jerusalem. First, we must remember what set these believers apart from the others during that day. And what set them apart was their faith in the person and work of Jesus Christ, the one who has crucified and risen and now is exalted. That is what set them apart, right? This is a truth, this truth in Jesus, the truth in the good news of the gospel is what, is what made them united, what made them unified. This they became to share that confession, that same confession of faith through the transforming work of the Holy Spirit who was, who was bringing about a renewed society during that time. See, the work of Pentecost, remember in chapter 2, beginning of the chapter 2 that we read last week, was a catalyst for this multi-nation, Jew and Gentile community of believers to be united. And he continues to do that work of keeping them united as they grow living life together. In fact, the statement, we're together, emphasizes the har harmony, unity of these followers of Jesus. See, this, this expression should not be just understood as a, a local sense that they were all together in one place. No, rather it emphasized the unity of, of the believers no matter where they were located. No matter what homes they were fellowshiping together, no matter if they were together or in separate places, they had a common bond. They were united, surrounded by the, by the message of the apostles, which is Jesus and who he is and what he has done for us. See, they grew and they had all things in common, right? This union by the Spirit meant they were, they were called to be with each, with each other, to live together, to serve together, that that, they, that God designed the early church knowing that they could not live their life apart from being together. That there's no such thing as them growing in their faith alone. See, an authentic church is where a group of believers understands their common goal is to grow more and more like Jesus together. And it's the Spirit who works in us to unite us for that purpose. Now think about it. Even in today's, this morning's service, we have men and women, young and old, young believers, older believers, whites, Africans, Asians, Hispanics, coming together, 
maybe with different experiences, different political perspectives, single, married, widowed, divorced. We're here together. And what, what, what unites us? Jesus and his spirit work that no matter what we come from, what we experienced, we come together united because of the person and work of Jesus Christ. That's the first thing we need to understand if we're to grow as disciples, that we're, we're united in Christ. And if we're united to Christ, then that should define how we see and view our relationships. We'll talk more about that in a minute. But we do see as they were growing in this unity, as they were growing together around Jesus and his message, what happens? Look at verse 45. They begin to really sacrificially care one for the other. It says, they were selling the possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as they had need. You see, this united, diverse community of believers made up of many nations and ethnic groups cares for the needs of one another. See, we see that this diverse body of believers were in the habit of selling their possessions and their belongings to help others in greater need. See, among the possessions, that, if we read further in the books of Acts, in Acts 4, it says they sell their property, they sold their land, they sold their houses, which indicates that there are some in this community of believers who are also wealthy, that not only was there uh, uh, middle class, lower class, but there was upper class in, in, in the body of Christ that were being formed in the early church. And here we see that the haves were eager to help the have-nots, those who are in particular need. See, it's important to note that the sharing of possessions was voluntary and occasionally, right? This is not a primitive form of communism. But they were motivated by their relationship with Jesus and his teachings to give generously to others because they understood how much they were given in Christ. Listen to what Jesus says in various passages in Luke about this, his desire for, for his disciples to care for one another. He says this, give to everyone who begs from you and for one who takes away your goods and do not demand them back. As you wish that others would do to you, also do to them. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies, do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great, and, your sons, and you will be sons of the Most High. For he is, he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful." Jesus says in Luke chapter 12, he says, Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Then he says this, Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide, yourself, provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old and with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, is there will your heart also be. And then Jesus, in this dialogue with the rich young ruler in Luke 18, says this. The, the ruler asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? 
And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. And he said, All these I have kept from my youth. And Jesus heard this, and he said to him, One thing you still lack. Sell that you, all that you have and distribute to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. See, what motivated the disciples to so quickly be willing to give to people who are somewhat their strangers, yet they were united in Christ, yet they willingly and gladly and generously give. It was because they began to, as they were under the teachings of the apostles, teaching them about Jesus and his, the love that, that Jesus had for them, and then teaching them about that because you are a disciple of Christ, then you want to follow the example of Christ by the power of his spirit that, that we're to call to, to give amazingly generous to other people who are in need. See, the, the motivation was not that they would earn brownie points for God, by God, but no, they were generous because they understood the amazing grace and generosity that they had received in their relationship with Christ. In my many years of pastoral ministry, I began pastoral ministry in 1997, and I have been in a variety of churches, large churches, small churches, medium-sized churches. I planted a church. And what I've seen grown believers together in many ways and how we have practically cared for one another in need. When I planted this multi-ethnic church in Columbia, we we're not only racially and ethnically diverse, but we we're also economically diverse. And to see how those who had more money helped those who were in particular need was a truly faith growth experience for the whole church. We were the small church made up of many, black and white, right? Young and old, rich and poor. But as, as people began to be more free to share the, their need, it was wonderful to see how we came alongside one another to help those who were in need. But not only financially, when, when a, a single mom was needing some help with babysitting, our, our group would come quickly along and, and begin to help. You see, we, we understood how much we've been given in Christ. We wanted to give that to others. We wanted to find practical ways in which we can apply the gospel, the good news, to one another's hearts. And as we did that, we grew as a body of Christ. We learned to be authentic and real with one another, growing to trust one another in our weakest moments. It wasn't always easy. You know, we're sinners, saints, coming together, struggling, wrestling, living life together. But in those moments, as we began to share our, be honest with one another, we began to grow as a body of believers. Here at Nearsville, we are united by faith in Christ as well. And because of the gospel has been, been rich to us, we want to we show that grace and generosity to those in our church in need. A couple weeks ago, our brother Mike Kaiser shared his need, his need for a job, and how they're in a very tough financial situation. And it's neat to see how, how some in our congregation has responded to that need. He still needs help. He still is looking for a job. He still is wrestling with what that looks like for them in the future. Do they sell their house? But God wants to work, and I challenge us, and I encourage us to say, how can we love people who are in those situ situations, especially those in the body of Christ that we know need encouragement? See, generous giving is a way of those who follow Christ because that is what Jesus has shown to us. He generously gave his life. He laid down his life for us. 
and by his doing so that we then can give ourselves by the work of the Spirit, sacrificially and generously to others. They were united in their faith based on Jesus. And as a result, they began to care for one another in the body of Christ. And then we see this idea of fellowship in verse 46. This united, diverse community of believers of many nations, of ethnic groups, cultural groups, regularly centered their lives on the gospel and fellowship. It says, day by day, attending to the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. Again, Luke repeats this earlier comment in verse 42 about the, the unity of believers who met regularly to hear the apostles teach, both on a Sunday and on, throughout the week, and to have fellowship meals with one another. See, this is how God specifically worked to grow the early church. Again, this passage is not a mandate that each church should resemble exactly what the early church did. But we do know that the church, and we do know that the church struggled to grow in, in, throughout Acts, and that's why we have many other letters, Paul's letters, you know, Timothy, Paul's letters, Timothy, Paul's letter to the churches, that talks about the struggles that the churches had in maintaining that unity. But we do glean some important truth about biblical fellowship from the early church. First, there is a commitment to grow together. These young, this young church, united by Christ, knew that they needed to one another, so there was a commitment not to do this alone, but to do it together. There was a commitment to center their lives on God's word, on Jesus and the gospel. There was a commitment to regularly and intentional fellowship, not just on Sundays. And there was a commitment to bless one another. In fact, the Greek word for fellowship comes from a root meaning common or shared. See, fellowship means common participation in something either by giving what you have to the other person or receiving what he or she has to give to you. So this give and take is the essence of fellowship. To give and take must be the way of fellowship in the common life of the body of Christ. Listen to how J.I. Packard, my favorite author, encourages about biblical fellowship. He says this, Christian fellowship is two-dimensional. It has to be vertical has to, before it is horizontal. We must know the reality of fellowship with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ, before we can know the reality of fellowship with each other in our common relationship to God. He says, Christian fellowship is not an end in itself. Fellowship between Christians is for the sake of fellowship with God. You see, that's a, as we grow in an relation with Christ, we're going to benefit one another. But also, as we are growing together, we're also going to be growing our relationship with God. It, you know, it's, it's not mutually exclusive. It's together. As we grow in faith, we, we're to bless you. And as we, as we grow together in our faith, it should encourage us to know God more deeply. He says this, we should not think of fellowship with other Christians as a spiritual luxury, as an, an optional addition to the exercise of private devotion. No, fellowship is one of the great words of the New Testament. It denotes something that is vital to a Christian spiritual health, central to the church's true life. The church will flourish and Christians will be strong only when there is fellowship. We should recognize, rather, that such fellowship is a spiritual necessity. For God has made us in such a way that our fellowship with himself is fed by our fellowship with fellow Christians and requires 
to be so fed constantly for its own deepening enrichment. Now, I, as you know, I'm a, a pastor counselor, and I do a lot of counseling. And when I have clients that come to me, one of the things I try to see is how connected they are to the church. Do they have a strong support system? Is there, is there people in their lives speaking in their lives? And if they are, those who are coming from a strong church connection, those who have people speaking into their lives, I have seen how they tend to grow and work through their spiritual issues in a more effective way because there's a support system that's helping them after I'm done caring for them. I see the results of a body of Christ working together, encouraging one another. Do you know that in the New Testament, there are 59 one another references? 59 in the New Testament. You want to hear some of them? Be at peace with one another. Honor one another above yourselves. Live in harmony with one another. Love one another. You know how many times the Bible talks about love one another? A lot. So that should even convict us, right? Stop passing judgment on one another. Accept one another just as Christ accepted you. Instruct one another. Greet one another with a holy kiss. When you come together, eat, wait for one another. Have equal concern for each other. Greet one another, again, with a holy kiss. Serve one another in love. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, you, you will be destroyed by each other. There's a negative aspect of one another. Let us not become conceited, provoking, evening each other. Evening. I struggle with that word, envying each other. Carry each other's burdens. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Confess your sins to one another. Do not lie to one another. Bear with one another. You get my point, right? The church is about one anothering. We need one another in this journey. And so with that reality, I've asked the laps to come and share about how their small group has been an example of one anothering. So they're going to share a little bit. Morning. Uh, first of all, I just want to thank the Lord for, for Nielsville. It's been so much to my family, and uh, the love and care you show is amazing. I'm very humbled. Uh, my first experience with uh, a small group um, was many years ago. And my brother-in-law got together a, a group and uh, three of his buddies and him and we went up to the, his uh, garage at his house and, and started a Bible study. And uh, uh, one of the things I remember is it was time for me to pray. So I was thinking, oh, Lord, you have to help me in this area. And I think the first three words came out of my mouth was hubba, hubba, hubba. <laughs> so uh, I've gotten a little better. I'm down to one hubba. <laughs> so, uh, but uh, I thank the Lord for that. And it was amazing. He knew exactly what I needed at the time. And uh, we are blessed now to be part of a small group here at, uh, at Nielsville, and it's been amazing, and it's more like a family, and I thank the Lord so much for that. Well, little did we know um, <laughs> way back then that the Lord was 
guiding us and preparing us for this journey. Um, we um, started, I guess, when our girls went off to college and I was feeling that empty nest syndrome, not knowing what I was gonna do. My whole life revolved around these kids. And we were invited to join um, a leadership class in small group leadership. And at the time I was like, this is not for me, you know? <laughs> but we decided to go and um, they assured us that there was absolutely no commitment involved. We were just going to learn what it was all about. Um, during that time, also a book came into my lap that was, um, you all may have heard of it. It's, um, if you're gonna walk on water, you gotta get out of the boat, or you gotta get out of the boat if, if you wanna walk on water, you gotta get out of the boat. And I read it and it just spoke to me. I was so convicted and I'm sure some of you have heard God with this little nudge um, telling you to do something and you're like, no, there's no way I'm gonna do that. And um, the nudge kept coming and it kept coming. And so we talked about it and I said, you know, I really feel like we should lead a small group. So this was 12 years ago and we're still leading a small group every Wednesday night. It has been such a blessing to us. Um, the group has been such a support. We support each other, we pray for each other. Um, we do life together, you know? We know what's going on in each other's lives and it, it's, just been, it's just been wonderful. a testimony of God's grace and faithfulness. You convict me, Rodney, just in your faith as you work through this illness. And I'm a better Christian because of knowing you, even in this short time. And it's been a, it's been a blessing to be encouraged by you and to you, Jane, as well. I went to the small group a couple weeks ago, and it was a great time. So are you guys open? I think they'll invite other people to come, maybe. <laughs> maybe you have to split and uh, multiply. <laughs> anyway. All right. Tears in my eyes. Now I can't see what I'm supposed to say. Um, anyway. See how the power of doing life together. God has called us to do life together. I want us to challenge us that in all times when we get together, our mindset should be one of growing together and encouraging one another in the gospel. The apostle himself, what? Not only invested the gospel, but his own life. So as, as we do ministry here, as we attempt to grow in our faith together, we want our small groups, our, our committee meetings, our, our deacon meetings, our session meetings, our children's ministry, our softball team, our youth and children's ministry, anytime that we would get together, even if we, when we leave here and go to lunch together this afternoon, we want it to be a time where we're mindful of encouraging one another with the gospel. One thing I, I've appreciated about Michelle Kelly, she leads the worship committee. Every time we meet, she's encouraging us with the gospel, encouraging us to taste and see that God is good. That's what we want to develop, that in any time that we meet, that we're mindset is that no matter what, we, no matter what differences that we have in mind, that we're united in Christ, we're called to care for one another, and we're called to, to, to encourage one another, to love one another, to pray for one another, to exhort one another, to speak the truth to one another, 
That is as God has designed us today at Nielsville Presbyterian Church. And we do that because our, our security and our safety doesn't come from what other people think, but because of what Christ has done for us. Our identity, we're able to do this one another and because our confidence is being loved and accepted in Christ. And so as we're, as we're resting in the good news of the gospel for ourselves, then we can begin to learn to trust. We can be, begin to be real. We can be real to be vulnerable with one another and help one another to experience the goodness and the grace of the gospel. May that be so for us here at Nielsville. Let us pray. Great God, thank you for your work of grace. Thank you that, that you have not called us to be lone Christians. You've called us to be in fellowship together. Lord, we know that there's many reasons why we may resist this growing together. I get it. I've been hurt by brothers and sisters in Christ. Sometimes it's hard to forgive and to move on. And yet it's when other brothers and sisters in Christ speak to me and help me to, to realize, no, I can't stay there. I, I need others to help me to experience this rich relationship that you desire and delight to have with your children. And Father, today I pray that anybody who might be wrestling with that, help us to know how we can encourage one another to experience the grace of being known and loved by Christ. That we are willing to, to seek the, in, the, the interests of the other to, and not to, to be worried about ourselves. That we learn to be living more sacrificially and not being tied to our money in our homes. Help us to freely be experiencing the mercy and grace of Christ so that we can ex share that with one another here at Neosville. Do that work of grace, I pray, in your name. Amen. Let us stand and respond in our song, singing by faith.
Please be seated. Father, we do stand as children of the promise together. We desire to fix our eyes on you, Jesus, our soul's reward. To the race is finished and the work is done. We will together walk by faith and not by sight. Oh, Father.